28, Gospel of Matthew 28, the Lord Jesus has just been crucified in this context, so we'll stay in that context since we preached in that general uh, context this morning. Matthew 28, the Lord's been crucified, he's been buried. Pick up the reading, Matthew 28, 1. In the end of the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, came Mary Magdalene and the other Mary to see the sepulcher. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat upon it. His countenance was like lightning and his raiment white as snow. And for fear of him, the keepers did shake and became as dead men. And the angel answered and said unto the women, Fear not ye, for I know that ye seek Jesus, which was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen, as he said. Come, see the place where the Lord lay. Now, notice something. The angels rolled the stone away from the door. Some people get the idea that poor Jesus was trapped in there, and the angel had to move the stone away to let him out. That is not the case. Remember what we preached this morning? The doors were shut and he went on in. A stone doesn't hold back the Lord Jesus. The stone is being rolled back to let his disciples and these women in to see that he's gone, not to let Jesus out. Verse 7, And go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And behold, he goeth before you into Galilee, there shall ye see him. Lo, I have told you. And they departed quickly from the sepulcher with fear and great joy. That's one of those great places where it puts two things together that you don't normally put together. When you serve the Lord Jesus, you serve him with fear and great joy. If there is something, uh, if there is no fear in your obedience to authority, there's something missing. There should be an element of fear there. I believe children should have a little bit of fear of their daddy. And their mama. Um, when I read over there in Peter, talking about the godly women, and uh, if you have a husband that believes not, uh, they can be won by the conversation of the wives. You know one of the things that it mentions in there? Fear. Amen. When you have an authority over you, there is a little element of fear there. Now you shouldn't be fearing for your wife, don't get me wrong, in some of those contexts. But there's, amen, this is my boss. I'm supposed to do what they say. I'm, I'm, I'm concerned. I don't want to get in trouble with the boss. There should be a little element of fear. And you know there's something wrong when the wrong one is being feared. You've got the wrong boss. Something's wrong somewhere. But here, you're serving the Lord with fear, but let me tell you about the fear of God. As long as you're trying, there's great joy in it, too. They departed quickly from the sepulcher with fear and great joy and did run to bring his disciples' word. And as they went to tell his disciples, behold, Jesus met them, saying, All hail. And they came and held him by the feet and worshipped him. Then said Jesus unto them, Be not afraid. Go tell my brethren that they go into Galilee, and there shall they see me. All right, I want to preach this evening on active obedience from the women who were first at the sepulcher. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that you'll give us wisdom and, and insight, and I pray, Lord, that you'd help us to learn from these great ladies 
They were great ladies because they loved you and obeyed you and lived for you. And I pray we'd do as well in these last days of the church age as they did in these opening days of, of this great transitional time. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Now consider how highly favored these ladies were to be the first witnesses of the resurrection. You tell me a bigger event in history than the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's not the ascension of the Greek Empire or the Roman Empire or the British Empire or even the beginning of our beloved United States of America. The resurrection of Jesus trumps all of those combined times five. And these women were the first witnesses to it. What a blessed thing. It wasn't Peter, the vocal leader. It wasn't John, whom Jesus loved, but the women who stayed when the men forsook him and fled. Yes, the women who sought to minister to him and came early even in death. They were probably not as educated as Matthew the publican or later Saul the Pharisee who learned at the feet of Gamaliel. But these women taught the disciples a lesson in faithful obedience and personal revelation that very few men are ever going to get anywhere near to. Amen. And very few other women, too, for that matter. So I want to look just uh, briefly, and oh, what a, this, oh, it's, a, it's ridiculous. This will be so short. <laughs> I've only got three short points here. All right, the first thing I want to say here is obedience is established. Obedience is established. You know what these women want to do? They want to do what their Lord wanted them to do. They didn't have any trouble with that. They weren't sitting there, well, if he gives me what I pray for, then I might do what he tells me. There was none of that. They just loved their Lord, wanted to serve him, and was going to obey whatever he told them to do. And let me tell you something. There's plenty of men, women, boys, and girls that obey the Lord only conditionally. That's true. These women were going to do whatever Jesus wanted. Let me tell you something. If you're in a position of submission under authority, let me tell you what will give you the most joy to just say to the authority, if it pleases you, it pleases me. You tell me what to do and it's done. That is the most blessed way to live. You know what the most miserable way to live is? Grudge, resentment. I don't want to do it. I'm not going to give in. I don't care what the Bible says. I don't care what the Bible says. That is not a victorious Christian life if that is your relationship to the Amen. Lord. You know why they did this? Because they appreciated their salvation. Mary Magdalene had seven devils cast out of her. Now, when I was a little boy, I used to be scared of the dark and going to sleep in the room by myself and everything, and I'd watch scary movies and UFOs and ghosts and everything, and it would scare me to death. I, could, I can't imagine knowing that there were seven demons inside my body and me trying to go to sleep alone in a room. Good night. This woman had seven devils inside of her, and the Lord saved her and got rid of them, cast out those seven devils. You know what? She appreciated him. It didn't matter if he didn't do everything just exactly the way she wanted it done. She wanted to obey him. There's a lot of Christians could learn from that lady. Here's, a, here's the sinner woman. It was known in the area that she was a sinner. And when Jesus showed up, she was washing his feet. And everybody got all offended and said, Wow, if he was a prophet, he'd know she was a sinner. Let me tell you something. If you're a sinner, let me tell you where to get. Get down worshiping at Jesus' feet. Yeah. Now, there will be people that won't appreciate it. 
There'll be people that want to um, feel your pain, but these ladies appreciated the Lord Jesus. They didn't have any trouble obeying him. They, they established their obedience because of appreciation, because of devotion. Mary and Martha, in the famous story that you've heard taught and preached many times about how Martha, you know, should have sat and listened and she was working too much. Listen, be that as it may, Martha was serving and Mary was sitting at his feet and listening and as a bunch of Christians could learn from both of the two. You know what will make you obey? When you appreciate what the Lord's done for you. Amen. Instead of holding a grudge about something he hadn't done exactly the way you wanted. And another thing that will is when you're devoted to him to where you sit and listen to him and want to serve him. That is a blessed, victorious Christian life. Rather than looking for an excuse that you can't do something, you're not going to do it because you're not going to give in because you don't. They didn't do something the way you wanted. So when they start treating you right, you're going to treat them right and right, 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 right. And just like Samson and the Philistines, you guys go back and forth and back and forth, and nothing's ever resolved, and nobody's ever happy, and the Lord never gets obeyed. And these women don't do any of that. As a wonderful example to Christians, even in our day, they just flat out love the Lord and want to obey Him. Yes. Wow, I wish we had some Christians like these women. I wish a bunch of men lived up to what these women did. Amen. They did it because of appreciation for their salvation. They did it because of devotion. They did it, I'll tell you something, because of habit. They had some habits in place where they obeyed the law that they had. And it says that they waited before anointing Jesus' body in observance of the Sabbath. Let me read to you from a parallel passage over here in Luke 23. They had a habit... Their law that they had been given uh, for their people said to observe the Sabbath. So they didn't go do it on the Sabbath. Luke 23, verse 55, I guess it is I'm wanting here. Let's see. And the women also which came with him from Galilee followed after and beheld the sepulcher and how his body was laid. And they returned and prepared spices and ointments and rested the Sabbath day according to the commandment. So they, here his body was. They could have done it right then. But they you know they made note of where it was so they could go prepare the spices and rest it on the Sabbath just like their law told them to. And then after the Sabbath came and did it. That implied a little bit of planning ahead. That implied going ahead and obeying exactly how the law said to do it. Don't you know a bunch of people would have went ahead and just anointed the body right then or went and got the spices and came and done it on the Sabbath? But they said no. We're going to keep the law. Well, they ought to understand we're anointing the body of Jesus. That's a good thing to do. We can break the Sabbath rule, you and your stupid rules. No, these women were big on obeying. And if there was a law that said don't break the Sabbath, they weren't going to do it. Now, I know the exceptions that for Jesus and, and his disciples there and all that sort of thing, these women didn't want to go by it. They didn't want to risk disobeying. You know, there's something to be said for that. Amen. There's something to be said for somebody whose heart is saying, I, I'm still going to take care of the body of Jesus, but I'm also going to obey the Old Testament law. They, they didn't know they had been freed from that yet if they had been. I'll tell you something else. They had some contrite hearts. I'll tell you something else that will help you serve the Lord when your heart is broken. Now, as long as you think you've got the victory and you've got all the answers, and boy, you can teach other people, and boy, if they'd just be as good as you, they'd have the answers. <laughs> A lot of young Christians come across that way. Uh, you have a different attitude about obedience than somebody who has a contrite heart. 
I'm already over here in Luke 23, so let's read a few other places. Luke chapter 23 and verse 27. It says, And there followed him a great company of people, look at it, and of women, which also bewailed and lamented him. Their, their hearts are broken for the Lord Jesus. It says in verse 28, But Jesus turning unto them said, Daughters of Jerusalem, weep not for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. Jesus had compassion on them, and their hearts were broken because of losing the Lord Jesus. And his heart went out to them. And he said, uh, unfortunately, you've got some hard times coming ahead of you because your society is rejecting the Lord Jesus. Hey, American 21st century Christian, your society is rejecting the Lord Jesus. Oh, Mr. Hard Times is coming. But you can do like these women and still obey even in a time like that. All right, verse uh, 49 of Luke 23. And all his acquaintance and the women that followed him from Galilee stood afar off, beholding these things. Notice how prominently these women are mentioned. They stuck with Jesus. Now, whether you're a man, woman, or boy, or girl, you can learn from these women. Yes. You stick with Jesus. They, these women are greatly favored. J.L. is favored above women. Mary is said to be favored among women. And these women are favored and get to be the first witnesses of the resurrected Christ, or some of the first at least. Then verse 55 and verse 56, uh, already read in relation to the Sabbath, it says, And the women also which came with him from Galilee followed after and beheld the sepulcher and how his body was laid. And they returned and prepared spices and ointments and rested the Sabbath day according to the commandment. They were concerned about this. And then look at chapter 24, verse 1. Now upon the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they came unto the sepulcher bringing the spices which they had prepared. This took some work. This took some money. They had to go buy them. And certain others with them, and they found the stone rolled away from the sepulcher. What I'm saying is they were the last ones at the cross and the first ones at the tomb. Good point. That mattered. And they put some money into it, and they put some effort into it, and they put some planning ahead into it, and yet they still kept the Sabbath commandment. I mean, these were some dedicated, devoted women. What a wonderful thing. What a wonderful example. So that's obedience established. That's the reasoning behind it, and the motives for it, and the evidence of it. Now let's look at... Uh, Obedience enacted. Obedience enacted. Matthew chapter 28. They did not hesitate while doubting their revelation. They were fully convinced. I had a weird little paranormal situation today. I would have sworn I got a text from a family member asking me a question, and I sent a text back answering it, and then I couldn't find that text, and I asked the people that I thought had texted me that, and they said... We didn't send you no text like that. I said, oh man, I am going in full-blown hallucination mode. <laughs> I don't know what is going on. Don't you know, if I can think that about a silly text, don't you know that somebody thinking they saw evidence of a dead person arising and, a, and an angel could have said, well, we must have dreamed this. <laughs> this can't be real. We must have imagined it. It must be a psychological reaction to us hoping that he's still alive so much that we just think we saw that. No, they didn't hesitate one bit doubting their revelation. They were fully convinced. 
say something else. They didn't hesitate while doubting their authority. It was from an angel and from Christ himself. Hey, Christian, we have a more sure word of prophecy than if you hear something from heaven itself. That's very true. We have the written word of God. Let's don't doubt our revelation. Let's don't doubt our authority. If the word of God says to do something, let's do it. If the word of God doesn't, let's not. If the word of God gives us a commission, God help us to do it. It, it may cost you some um, persecution. It certainly has caused plenty of our uh, forefathers some persecution, hasn't it? But they didn't hesitate while doubting their revelation. They didn't hesitate while doubting their authority. They didn't hesitate while doubting their ability. Well, I'm just kind of a nervous person, and you know, I haven't exactly been perfect myself, and I don't know if I can tell anybody else. If the angel told you to go tell them, and Jesus told you to go tell them, you better go tell them. Amen. Remember how Moses tried to pull that when the Lord told him? Well, now, Lord, I'm not too good with words. The uh, Lord got mad at him, see? Yes, sir. And here came Aaron and said, all right, we'll let Aaron do it. But you better go. And then when they got there, they were scared to tell Pharaoh they were going to kill his firstborn son. And the whole thing had to drag out way longer than it should have. You know what these women do? In spite of the fact that one of them had real bad um, reputation and another one had seven devils in her, and who knows what might have been true with some of the others, they went ahead and did it. You can obey what the Lord tells you to do. They didn't hesitate doubting their revelation or doubting their authority. They could tell what they saw in heart. You know what you can do? You can tell what you see in here. You can do it. And I wish more men knew it like some of these women did that followed the Lord Jesus. And the closer you get to Jesus, in most cases, the more you'll think that you can because you'll get some of his boldness and some of his authority. But I tell you what, when you think the government is involved, that will tend to scare you. It'll tend to do it. And the disciples were scared to death, but buddy, when they hit the ground running in the book of Acts, they didn't care what the authority said, did they? The ones that got killed, they had to get killed because something about that resurrected Jesus Christ changed some things about them. But it changed these women first, didn't it? These women are bold and brave before the men even are. These women were at the cross when the men forsook and fled. They weren't hesitating, doubting their revelation or their authority or their ability. I'll tell you something else. They weren't hesitating due to the propriety. Look at chapter 28, verse 8. It says, they had fear and great joy and did run to bring his disciples word. Now, when is the last time you saw Donna or Miss Ellen or Cherish or Miss Laura or Miss Amanda in a full sprint? <laughs> Wouldn't you be get kind of laughing, you know, if you saw these women just take off running in a full sprint? <laughs> Wouldn't you get just kind of chuckling? I mean, that's not, I don't know, doesn't seem proper or something. But an angel and Jesus just told them to go tell them. And they thought that was so important, they didn't care if it looked silly. Have you ever seen anybody take off running and trip and just kind of wipe out? 
<laughs> I remember a few times growing up, man, I was in a hurry to go do something, and I wiped out. I mean, I hit the ground so hard, my feet flew up behind me and about flipped. And the first thing I did was look around and see if anybody else saw. <laughs> These they didn't even care. Jesus and an angel telling them to do something was more important to them than looking all ladylike and looking all proper. I'm all for manners, I'm all for those things, but some things are more important than that. And if an angel and Jesus tells you to do something, you better go do it. Amen. And they didn't even hesitate worrying about propriety. So how did the Lord reward them? Did he say, well, now you ladies are a little bit out of place here. Uh-uh. It was God, it was Jesus himself that said to do it. He didn't say, well, you could have done it. It's not that what you did was wrong, but the manner in which you did it could have been better. Uh-uh, the Lord doesn't correct them, not one bit. One great weakness that I admit I've had sometimes in my teaching and preaching, and I've heard plenty of other Bible-believing Baptist preachers have it, is they'll apologize for what the Word of God says. They'll be preaching, for example, on how the man should be the head of his wife and the head of the home and that sort of thing, and they'll have the title of sermon, you know, some great thing, and you'll look like, boy, they're really going to boldly proclaim the word of God. But if you actually listen to the sermon the whole time, you can see the fear in their face and the nerves. Oh, but I don't mean to abuse it anyway, and I don't mean to do it. And by the time they're done, 40 minutes was apologizing, and 20 minutes, if you're lucky, actually just taught what the word of God said. You notice I'm not doing that tonight? I'm not saying, oh, you know, but the women aren't perfect either. And if they're, they're, they're... Shut up, man. Just say what the book says. These women are blessed among above anybody else earlier than anybody else because they was with Jesus right up to the crucifixion, the first ones at the, at the tomb, and they were the ones who had to go tell the disciples what had happened because they had kept their faith when the disciples got scared and ran. Amen. That's what it says. Amen. <laughs> There's no reason to back up on that. There's no reason to apologize for that. There's no reason to tell it and go, oh, but I don't mean this, and oh, but I don't mean that. <laughs> they just flat out did it. And notice how the Lord showed up for them. God showed up. Jesus showed up. Didn't correct them one bit. Didn't say, well, but you could have done that more later. <laughs> no, sir. Jesus showed up. And you know what he says? All hail. You get to see the king. And the king says to you all, well, don't we usually say to him, Hail? Those crazy Nazis looking up to Hitler, didn't they say, Heil Hitler, which is basically Hail Hitler? Jesus is saying that to them. Doesn't that remind you of that song we sometimes sing? Christ will gird himself and serve us with sweet man all around. Doesn't that remind you of Jesus going and washing the feet of the disciples? And Jesus is going to go to these women and say all hail to them? Wow. What about when we get up there to glory and the Lord allows us to earn crowns? Isn't that an amazing thing? And these women get commended from the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Now how about Peter? Peter and the Lord still have some things to do to work on their relationship, don't they? Jesus doesn't go up to Peter and say, all hell, does he? <laughs> he says, Peter, you love me? And has to say it again, and has to say it again. But the women just believed and were 
faithful and obeyed every detail that they knew to obey. They get from Jesus all hail. Now you tell me a better commendation than Jesus himself coming to you and saying, all hail. And then saying, be not afraid. It says they're, they're running with fear and great joy. And the Lord says, hey, I got you. Boy, if I could ever get a hold of the fact that Jesus has me. I know that I'm saved and not going to hell, thank the Lord. But I do think I'm probably going to go through some real rough stuff between here and there. Oh, <laughs> between yeah. here and heaven. But if I could ever get that if I am in the fiery furnace, he's going to be right there with me. And if I am in the lion's den, the angel's going to be right there shutting their mouths. And if I am facing a dead person, the Lord Jesus is going to be there telling me, be not afraid. I'm getting a blessing. Now, in the meantime, how are the disciples doing? Uh, they're assembled together up in an upper room for fear of the Jews, while the women are being told, be not afraid. You know why? They stuck with Jesus. Now, the government could have heard them. I'll guarantee you. If the government oh, yeah. thought these women were going out to some of, uh, of Jesus' disciples and bringing messages that they weren't telling Pilate and the rest of them, they might have done something to them. But they had Jesus and an angel telling them to do it, and they just obeyed. So they got a blessing, a personal blessing from Jesus. I'll tell you something else. They got assurance. They got to see him, didn't they? It says in verse 9, as they went to tell his disciples, behold, Jesus met them, saying, All hail. And they came and did what? Held him by the feet and worshipped him. They got to actually get a hold of his feet and ankles. They knew he was really there. As long as all you're doing is seeing him, it's possible your eyes are playing tricks on you. How, how many of you have been to a, a cool, you know, Ripley's Believe It or Not or, or museum or something? And they have some real effective optical illusions. I remember I went to the Smithsonian one time and they had an optical illusion and it said, free, take one. And you would have sworn it was $5 bills or whatever it was. I mean, it looked so real, I couldn't believe it. But when you reached to grab it, your hand would just go right through it. and It was just an optical illusion. It was just the way light was shining. As long as all you're doing is seeing something, your eyes might be playing tricks on you. Buddy, when you grab a hold of those feet and ankles, and he's really there, and there's really nail prints in those feet that you can feel, whoa, that's him. So they got a personal blessing from Jesus. They got a personal assurance from Jesus at seeing and holding him. And they got an even more personal command from the Savior himself. It was pretty good coming from an angel. But lo and behold, here it came from Jesus. It says in verse 10, Then said Jesus unto them, Be not afraid. And he goes on. Go tell my brethren that they go into Galilee, and there shall they see me. So it was from Jesus himself, and it was to his brethren, not just his disciples. Well, it looks to me like the sisters got it first. You know why? They stayed with Jesus. You know who gets the blessing first? The one that stays with Jesus. Amen. You know who gets included later? ones that got scared and ran and wasn't careful about obeying. 
All right, what have, we, what have we seen tonight? We've seen a company of women, some of whom had bad reputations, one of whom at least had seven devils inside of her, and they're preferred above Jesus' hand-chosen disciples. Isn't that interesting? Jesus himself went and picked those disciples. These women, in a sense, were more faithful, at least at this point. They were preferred because they obeyed. First, in establishing in their own lives a habit of obedience. Second, by actively obeying with a sense of urgency. I mean, they could have walked, couldn't they? I mean, if the Lord told them to go tell the disciples, who he later calls his brethren, and they would have walked there, I would have found no fault in that. But it was more important to them. They took off running. And it might have been halfway because they'd just seen a dead person, and that does put a little sense of urgency in you. <laughs> but they did. They did it with a sense of urgency. And finally, their earthly rewards for obedience are recorded. Not to mention the rewards at the judgment seat of Christ. You know what I want to do? I want to be like the women at his crucifixion and his resurrection. I want to say, you know what? Obedience matters. And fellowship with the Lord Jesus matters. And it might get me in trouble with the government. And it might make me lose some friends. And it might make me lose some money. And it might make me lose a bunch of things. But the benefits of it far outweigh oh, yeah. you might lose. You will not outgive God. If you'll stay with Jesus, if you'll stay close to him. And by the way, you know, there is a a common belief among people that the old-fashioned Christians, you know, are male chauvinist and that sort of thing. Let me tell you something. It doesn't matter if you're a man or a woman or a boy or girl. Who sticks closer to the Lord Jesus gets the quickest blessing and the best blessings. And if you're 12 years old or you're 22 years old, if you're rich or if you're poor, if you're male or you're female, you stick to the Lord Jesus. I'm going to learn from these women. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this chance to read and study your word and thank you for the